This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Mark Carlino as the temperatures have gotten hot and the postseason run has as well for most of our area teams as we are in the last week of regular season play for everyone I think as we also got some uh, state tournaments and conference uh, battles going on. So we got a lot to talk about in this week's episode of the podcast. Usual four-quarter uh, format for this week. This uh, the first quarter, we get you all caught up on everything that's been going on, um, all the fun battles and uh, some championships as well. In the second quarter, we are joined by Nutri baseball player Alex Calarco. In the third quarter, we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, we get into uh, some football debate as the All-State teams uh, came out from the Coaches Association. And uh, we've got a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of uh, quorums with that. So we'll see uh, what the issues are there and some big snubs as well. But uh, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you guys check us out, spread the word, give us a nice little review as well. So why don't we dive on into what we have going on in the first quarter and uh, diving in exactly to talk about a couple of sectional championships for two local teams, the both Nutria boys and girls uh, water polo teams advancing to the final state tournament here. Um, both teams getting uh, the job done on Saturday. Um, guys, uh, we talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks about um, just how dominant these, these uh teams have been and uh for some of these teams it's kind of been a thriller but um what did you guys just see from these two uh sectional title games and these two championships and um what surprised you and what kind of didn't surprise you based on what we know about these two teams you know it was the it it was the one and two seeds that met up in in the championships uh oh actually excuse me i believe that uh nutria played evanston both and actually, on the boys' side, Evanston was a three seed, but um, after upsetting Loyola. So I think w- what we pointed out last week in previous weeks was the the closeness of the talent and the, the programs currently at Evanston girls and Nutria girls. And that played out once again for the fifth time this year in the sectional championship. Um, Nutria won all five games against them this year, but all, you know, they got closer and closer until it was basically a virtual tie the past two matchups um, in the, in the uh, conference championship tournament or his conference tournament championship. Uh, Nutria and Evanston went to two overtimes and Nutria eked out a one goal win and in the sectional championship, another overtime. So uh, it, it's, it's a shame that, that Evanston, you know, they have to be paired up together in the same sectional, but very talented teams. These are two of the top 10, if not top five teams in the state. They met up in the sectional final and they did battle once again. And it was back and forth, back and forth, exactly what you want 
from uh, you know town teams. Good defense, held under 10, 10 goals, and uh, Nutrier eked it out in overtime and then held them off. So uh, pretty cool stuff. There, you know, Nutrier. I think you know I, I threw in the story some of their. They've been to. I think they got seven of nine, I believe, or six of eight sectional titles and trips to state. So you know, mark another one on that list and. Hopefully they're going to build off, uh, you know, the trophies they've gotten recently and um, pretty cool stuff. And on the boys' side, boys just took care of business. I think they were the clear favorite in the sectional, um, and they, they won over uh, GBN. Um, oh, I'm sorry, over Evanston, who defeated Loyola in the semis. They beat Evanston 11-7, so they, they kind of took care of business there. And they're off to state, too, is uh, one of the best in the state um, and should see if they can prove it. They've They've – I think made state, I think nine of 11 years. So good teams. And they, they did what they do. Yeah. A little bit of what we expected last week, we previewed uh, both sides and we had mentioned that uh, the matchups we were uh, predicting and sort of looking at as, as the final was Nutrient and Evanston on both sides. And that's what we ended up getting, particularly on the girl side, the, the matchup definitely lived up to the billing and gave us everything we expect. We expected and possibly even a little bit more with that close finish that Joe mentioned there. So yeah, Joe said that best, great teams. Uh, they lived up to the billing, did what we expected. And now um, we'll see what they can do at the state tournament level. Um, uh, facing off against the highest caliber teams in the state. I know on the girls' side, some of the Naperville's are bringing some really strong teams. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens this this weekend as they move forward there. So looking into these matchups, we talked uh, preview a little bit more, just talking about um, Wednesday. So we're recording this on the 26th of Wednesday, and uh, that's when the girls uh, face off against York. Um, in uh, the in Fenwick in the state tournament, so um, kind of uh, you might, this will probably be old by the time you guys hear it. But what are you guys kind of expecting in this matchup uh, between two uh, really top teams, especially uh, on the girls' side? These are two, you know, perennially superior programs. So you're going to get some really good water polo. And you look at the the list of, of teams here: Lions, Naperville North, Lincoln Way East. Stevenson, Hersey, and Lane, you know, seven of eight of them are number one seeds in their sectional. York was actually a two seed. So uh, we're getting the tops of the tops here. And, uh, you know, uh, illpolo.com, which is kind of the premier blog for, for state water polo, niche, niche high school sports in Illinois. Um, you know, they got, uh, they got Nutria ranked four and, Evan, and York six. So we're going to see something special here. You know, North Naperville North is top seed and Stevenson is two. Um, so we're going to see some good stuff. Um, and I think, you know, Nutrier can prevail here and then they're going to move on to face uh, probably Naperville North. So um, it's going to be a gauntlet here at state. Yeah. And if I'm reading this correctly, it looks like they've had shots at Naperville North twice already this season and Naperville North edged them both times. So, you got to think if they have a chance for that matchup to come a third time that that those previous two games are going to be in the back of their mind with uh, with how they ended. But uh, but yeah, Joe summarizes is great there. You know, should be some really awesome matchups coming this weekend. They've got they've faced Fenwick already earlier this year as well and beat them twice. Um, so definitely have already had uh, regular season experience against some of these teams and the chance to to see what they're like in the regular season. But obviously goes up to the next level here in the postseason and the state level. 
On the boys' side, uh, you got the state tournament starting on Thursday, May 27th, with uh, New Trier taking on Nequa Valley in the 5:30 game at Fenwick. What are we expecting there? In uh, like you talked about on the girls' side as well, where um, it seems like all number one seeds have moved on um, to uh, face off here in the state tournament. But what are we going to expect out of the boys here um, facing against a tough uh, Nequa Valley team? Yeah, I think. Um... You know, I've always found the IL polo ranks to be pretty, pretty spot on. Obviously, they've watched more water polo than we have in their lives, and especially, you know, especially you know, year in and year out. And uh, they got Nequa Valley ranked third, and they got Nutrier um, hanging on at nine. I think Nutrier is a little better than that. I think they're more of a top five team, but they're going to face another top five team here, and so it's going to be tough for them to get into the trophy ranks this season. Um, so I think Nequa Valley also plays with in the area with the Naperville's and things like that. So tough competition all the time. It's going to be tough for them to get out of the first round. And then if they do, they're probably going to face Stevenson, who's the top seed overall. So uh, it's, it's a tough road to hoe here for Nutrier. Yeah. Only one loss for the Wildcats so far this season. So getting by them is definitely going to be an uphill climb and a, a very tall task in it of itself. But then with Stevenson looming, even if they are able to, um, it looks like Stevenson has already gotten Nutria twice this season, um, both times by about a score of 10 to four. So uh, yeah, tough road ahead, but we know that there's a lot of talent on this Nutria team and a lot of uh, special players that could make an upset victory possible. So it's a, it's a tall task ahead, but a, a roster that's fit for the challenge. So we'll see how that all plays out this upcoming weekend here. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Good luck to both teams, obviously, in the state tournament. Make sure you guys uh, check in with us to get all the latest results and information on uh, what uh, how the state tournament is going on. Um, some other stuff we talked last week about how this week is going to determine a lot of uh, conference championships, a lot of stuff. Some of that has already been decided. The Loyal Academy boys volleyball team is going to share the CCL blue title after losing to Santa Rita. Seems like we jinxed them last week in way or no way when we asked <laughs> whether they were going to be able to uh, uh, finish the conference slate undefeated. But um, how surprised are you guys like this? And um, does this kind of take anything away, the fact that Loyola has to share? I mean, just given how good of a team Loyola is, that it's going to have to share with St. Rita? The share is probably not what they were going for. I don't think it necessarily takes anything away just because it's been such a tough, crazy and you know, unpredictable season. And they had a schedule that is lined with the best opponents in the state. So we've talked about how grueling that can be time and time again on this podcast. That's sort of a theme for many of our teams throughout this year. So I don't think that necessarily takes away anything away from it. Um, just, just a couple of slips here and there at the end, but that that's almost to be expected with the competition that they're playing. And the fact that you're facing so many, you're, you're playing so many games in such a short period of time. I mean, it's just, natural in a sense that uh, there will be some miscues here and there but I think we can all agree that heading into the postseason we think very strongly of this team and expect them to make a run um, deep into the playoffs yeah I'm curious to see you know how they stack up in the playoffs and, and how they come to play obviously they're going to bring it but you know against some of these teams they're going to you know maybe face off against uh you know, Nutrier and things like that. And, and uh, we got Deerfield in here who's talented, Stevenson, Glenbrook North in their, in their sectional where they're ranked two or seated second. Um, so how much of their losses, which they have six, they're 23 and six, um, 
how many of them are because of maybe fatigue or maybe because of the condensed schedule and they got to play so many games, not something they're used to. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're, they're going to get in third plus 30 games, you know, um, when they usually probably get in about 35. So not too far off a normal season, um, which is really cool uh, to see in a regular season. Um, they were really able to get it all in and make the most of it for these kids who didn't get a season last year. So I think that's really great. And no, they didn't want to share the title. I think they had, um, they had their eyes set on taking it. Their fate was in their own hands to do so, and they, they couldn't pull it off last night against Rita. But uh, it's a good team, and really at this point, they want the conference title, and they have half of it. But right now it matters about the postseason, and can they, can they get out of their sectional? And uh, I'm interested to see. Uh, the new Trier girls soccer team won the CSL South after uh, clearing ahead with a five-point advantage over GBN to win the CSL South. Not really a surprise, guys. Um, from a team that dominated, but uh, GBN obviously made it a, uh, maybe a little bit closer than some expected this season. Yeah, uh, really good soccer being played up here. And that's not, um, that's not unusual, but just, again, it's nice to get back to normalcy, which is dominating soccer up on the North Shore with Nutrier, Evanston, Loyola, Glenbrook North, Glenbrook South, um, which might have a bit of a down year, but those top four are really good. And uh, Nutria survived them. Nutria played all those teams some multiple times. Um, and they came out with just that one loss to North and um, a few ties. So um, I'd say they earned it, um, the title. And uh, again, you know, this team is always built for the postseason. They've made it to the championship game and, and collected a state trophy, you know, every year for what, five straight, if not more. So um, they're where they want to be, I think. Yeah, I got to full on agree with Joe there. Uh, this conference just, I think, was special this year at the top with the, you know, strong team we saw over there in Northbrook with Gunbrook North and strong team from Evanston as well. And both those teams pushed the Trevians to the brink and they were able to, uh, to fight them off and push them off. So got to say, you know, really impressive season coming away because I, I think this conference may be um, the best it's been in a, in a couple of years with some of the top caliber teams that it had this year in it. Meanwhile, the Leola Academy girls soccer team is battling for a conference title with Fenwick both teams at the top as of recording today with 21 points. Uh, Loyola is still undefeated with Fenwick with two losses. Loyola has uh, Mother McCauley um, down the road. Um, obviously, guys heading down to the final stretch would want to just uh, take care of business and win uh, the GCA, uh, GCAC Red Division here. But um, it seems like if Loyola is able to take care of business, they'll at least be able to uh, – win a share if not anything else yeah the ramblers are rolling right now by my count it's about eight in a row for them uh eight wins in a row not even you know just just draws eight wins in a row so um i think they're playing their best soccer at the right time of the year they've already beat fenwick twice this year um two two nil and one nil so I, I like what the ramblers are doing i think it's a really strong team over there um and, and they went toe-to-toe with the uh nutrier team that we just talked about um, they played out to a one-one draw early or late last month. So, really like what the Rambles are bringing this year. Think that uh, there's going to be a nice little run from them as well. Yeah, and you know some of these latest wins have been by a lot of goals um, too. You know against Providence and Trinity, which they should be, but you know that builds their confidence. You know as they roll into the postseason, they just beat Macaulay four four nil. Um, you'd think they do so again tomorrow, which is Thursday. Um, and take care of business. So, you know, they're, they're the class of that conference and um, it'll be interesting to see once they meet up 
uh, with the Nutriers, Evanston, and GBNs of the world um, in the postseason when all teams are playing at their best. I think I got to amend it to nine straight wins then. Apologies. <laughs> and we have seeds come out for all of the sports, I believe. We have uh, seeds out there. I know tradition where the IHSA award seeds, even though the seasons aren't completed. And it makes the last week of the season pointless if you are not competing for a conference title. Um, anyways, what is your guys? What was some of the surprises you guys saw with seedings? Um, uh, both uh, girls soccer had uh, Loyola and Nutrier in the top three seeds there. Uh, Nutrier being number one, Loyola being three. No surprise in uh, lacrosse. Uh, boys Nutrier is number one. Girls uh, Loyola is number one, and the other two teams are number two seeds there. Um, what was you guys surprising and kind of uh, interesting uh, seedings that you guys saw? Um, once all of them were announced. I thought on the girls' soccer side, GBN moving down to a four seed, I'd like to see the explanation for that. You know, that's a tough spot instead of the two or the three with only one loss and that being to, to um, Nutria, I believe. Um, that's a tough spot because now they got to play Nutria before the sectional championship instead of in the sectional championship. Um, so it basically kind of puts them in against the top seed sooner than they want to be. Um, you know, I don't know about that, but, um, you know, baseball, um, we look at that, that came out. Um, it was cool to see that, uh, that Nutrier was, um, was up there in the top four. They've been on a hot run lately. I thought they actually might even be a little higher than that. Um, but that's, you know, that's a very loaded baseball's tricky as we've talked about a lot of time in the postseason. you're going to take your, your losses here or there in a baseball season, no matter what, you, you know, it's going undefeated is uh, extremely rare. So, and Loyola snuck up to a six seed. We thought they've had their ups and downs this year, but I think the back half of their sectionals pretty soft um, as they go to a Chicago sectional. So um, Loyola, even though it's about, I think they're a game over 500, maybe, maybe three games over um, in that Catholic league, which is tough. They picked up a six seed. So they picked up a plus seed. Um, they should do battle in a regional uh, where they got a pretty decent matchup. So um, that's interesting. And Loyola Academy softball, look, that's a really good team. And moving all the way up to a two seed, you know, good for them. Um, and they should have a draw and a chance at a sectional title for a team that's that's really played their butts off this year and, and has really put together a nice stretch right now and rolling into the postseason. Yeah, the on the back to the baseball side of things, Loyola's caught a little bit of uh, a little bit of a hot streak here recently after some of those tough, you know, back-to-back Catholic League matchups. They've still got uh, about four or five of those left to go the rest of the way. So we'll see how they finish up there. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that six seed. I think we had talked about it either two weeks ago or last week's episode that we thought um, because of that tough schedule and because of, um, you know, everything that has went into this year, we thought maybe they might fall uh, a little bit lower than that, but uh, well-deserved. I've talked about how I like their roster this year. I think they've got a couple nice power arms at the top and they should be able to um, have a good chance at making a little run. So, uh, Playoff time, playoff time coming up in all sports. Very exciting time for us. Um, it, it's crazy thinking back that, you know, three, four months ago, this uh, this wasn't a possibility and it uh, it wasn't a for sure thing. And now we're we're doing what we should do at this time of the year, talking about uh, high school sports playoffs mm-hmm. coming along here. We'll talk more about uh, seeds and other uh, seeds once we uh, get the postseason started. going to be a lot of postseason talk in the next couple of weeks with all these sports going on at the same time. But um, why don't we move on over now to the second quarter 
where we are joined by uh, Nutra baseball player Alex Talarco. Joe, I know you got a chance to uh, catch up with him. What are we going to hear from uh, Alex in this interview? Yeah, so Alex is our athlete of the week. He had a pretty nice week as Nutrier, uh, I should say, you know, I guess from now as the past couple weeks, uh, ran a bit of a hot streak, winning about nine in a row. Might have been, they might have got to, to 10. Um, and uh, he was a big part of that. He's playing shortstop. He's a catcher by trade and will play catcher uh, at Northwestern. So joining his brother, Anthony, over there with the Wildcats. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, in Evanston. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, what they want to do this season um, to finish things off um, as they about to enter the postseason, how they're playing and uh, how they want to cap the, the year. Don't try to All right, let's take don't try to sneak a fastball by him. <laughs> I didn't. All right, let's take a listen. You know, you guys got the playoffs coming up pretty quickly already. Um, how's this season gone for you guys? And, and what do you expect uh, for the postseason? What do you want to accomplish? I mean, state championships always the goal. And I think we have a pretty high potential to make a run. We got some good arms good talent as hitters and I think that definitely make a run. I think we're we're slowly but sureing surely uh getting like going into our own and at the right time with the playoffs coming up with got a nice little streak of two week really playing really good baseball and I think we'll definitely make a run this year. We're 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 gonna put something together on Coach Naps just because I know he won number nine hundred this year. Um Give me your best, you know, what's it like playing for Coach Naps? Naps, I would say he's he knows how to win. He's a, a good guy. He's got your back. He uh, loves baseball, but he also wants to teach you about life and how to better yourself as a person. And, like, he, like, loves guys who are good people off the field, and he really values that. thanks so much for joining us and thanks to all the players and coaches always good to get you guys insight every single week all right we're halfway through the podcast let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor the illinois bone and joint institute they have many locations in the chicago area so make sure you check them out move better and live better all right we're going to play our weekly guessing game of way or no way here in the third quarter uh joe and marty are going to uh debate five propositions and say whether way they can happen no way they cannot happen we talked about this a little bit in the first quarter marty but way or no way that if the the loyola academy girls soccer team wins conference this week way 100 percent way on this they're playing their best soccer as we mentioned they've won their last three games by a margin of victory of 24 to nothing so uh, really love what this team is bringing playing their best soccer at the right time a lot of talent just you know, full speed to have full speed ahead for them. So I'm going an easy way here. Yeah, that's a, I could not disagree as much as I'd like to. Uh, that's a way. <laughs> um, loving the rent, what the Ramblers are doing. Um, really excited to see uh, the postseason, especially between these top four seeds. Um, I really think it's going to be pretty special um, sectional round um, between the four. So I think Loyola takes it, uh, takes the conference, I should say. 
All right. It's conference tournament time, and that includes the Nutria Boys tennis team. So way or no way, Joe, that the Nutria Boys tennis team wins the conference tournament this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, I think they've they've taken care of business against a lot of conference opponents. Um, they, they're one of those, as we talk about Nutria so much, at least with these, those individual sports that gain points, such as cross-country, swimming, tennis, where your individual effort gains points for your team. They're just so deep. In, in those, even in years where they might not be as talented on the on top heavy, just throughout their lineup, such talent. So they just rack up those team points. And I think they're doing that this year. Um, I think, you know, they've beaten Glenbrook South, they've beaten Evanston, um, they've beaten GBN. So kind of those top tier programs. So um, I'm going to say they're, they, they're the class of the conference this year. They take it. Yeah, I got to agree with Joe here uh, and go away as well. The, you know, the main argument for uh, my answer here is just the depth, as Joe mentioned. And you've see, you see this across so many sports with Nutrier, but, uh, you know, especially the, the sports where you rack up the team points, as Joe mentioned, there's just depth up and down the roster. And that's sort of the approach that leads to um, winning such tournaments, you know, almost a death by a thousand cuts kind of thing, because there's no real weak spot on the roster and really nowhere um, where you're going to be able to rack up enough points throughout to beat them. So, uh, very similar to what we saw from the uh, girls tennis team in the uh, fall season, where it was just a roster that was loaded up and down with talent, singles talent, doubles talent. So um, I, I think the boys roster is a similar situation with just uh, a lot of talent up and down. All right. We talked a lot about uh, Nutri baseball last couple of weeks in their big streak here. They got big matchup against Maine South for a two game series here, basically uh, fighting for the conference title. So, way or no way, Marty, that New Trier Baseball wins conference. So, quick point of clarification here. Does anyone have the conference standings up right now? Where Where are we at? Are, I've got New Trier at 9-5 and five in conference, um, and it looks like probably Maine South might be a game ahead of that. Let's check real quick. Yeah, so right now Maine South's at 8-4, and four, so a half game maybe ahead of that. Yeah. Um, and has GBN faltered off a little bit, or are they still in the race for it as well? Uh, apologies. GBN's eight and five. GBN's eight and five. So it's a three-horse race a little bit right now. Is Glenbrook South maybe still even floating around a little bit, or have they – Six and four. Six and four. So, I mean, this really could come down to – the wire here with about four or five teams vying for it. I'm sure probably Evanston has a pretty competitive record as well. Seven and five. So a long way to get to my answer here, but it just seems like there's so many teams stacked up. So I'm going to go no way. I think they'll probably split this series with Maine South. Um, it seems like the path to a conference championship would be sweeping Maine South um, in the two game set. And then possibly a loss from one of those other programs mixed in somewhere. Um, depending on how the tiebreaker situations play out, but I'm going to go no way. It just seems like uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many teams vying for that spot. So I'm just going to take the field because uh, that might be what the, uh, what the smart way to go is here, but uh, I'm going to go no way here. I think. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have some fun. I'll disagree with you here, Mark. Maybe I, I <laughs> let me, let me have a new career going on a hot streak here. They now, they did lose the main South yesterday. So uh, according to Max Preps, at least. So, okay. 
so they're that's that's that game difference. So I, I think they were probably at the top until then. And um, you know, they gotta they gotta do some damage here at the end, but I don't know if you have any more conference games other than today um against Maine South. So this could be a difference maker, a big, big matchup today. And the past three games, Nutrier has given up a com, you know, a combined, let me do a quick math here, 33 runs in three games, uh, which is a stark difference from their 10 game winning streak. So they got to kind of get their uh, some house cleaning uh, on the pitching side, um, tune things up here for the postseason run. Maybe uh, I'm not going to second guess Napoleon. He has uh, a lot of wins under his belt, but um, so we'll see if they can get that righted um, starting tonight with Maine South. So by the time you guys, you folks hear this, it might already be decided, but I'm going to say no way. And Nutrier pulls it off and wins the league. All right. Uh, Nutrier girls track and field has a conference meet on Thursday. Way or no way, Joe, that the girls win conference? Way. Um, going with this, you know, um, this uh, individuals toward a team score uh, theory or paradigm we talked about a little earlier where they just are so deep and it definitely works on the track side. Um, they just have talent that's going to score at meets, um, whether it's Maybe it won't be a lot of conference titles, but it's going to be a lot of second, third, fourths, maybe um, second and third in many events or third and fourth in many events. And that earns you points. And that's going to, that's going to um, add up those nutrient points. And they're going to, they're going to win the conference, I think. Plus you're going to get big finishes from um, Bridget V2 uh, and uh, Abby Ryan and Emma Braband. Um, just your big scorers there who are going to, and they have a throw or two, and I, I'm totally blanking on her name, but she's a high scorer as well. So uh, they're going to win the title. I'm, uh, I'll say way. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way here as well. And for me, I really like the experience on this squad. Um, there's some state level experience with some uh, some athletes who have uh, competed at the the highest level there before. There's um, some some good leadership up at the top and. Um, some decorated athletes on this roster. So I, I like their depth and experience, and I'm going to go way as well. All right. Like we talked about earlier, uh, seeds came out, and the Loyola Academy softball team is number two in its sectional behind Whitney Young uh, in the sectional that's called sectional four. I guess they don't have a name for it yet. Um, <laughs> but way or no way, Marty, that Loyola should have been the number one seed in that sectional. I'm going to go no way on this one. Uh, I've got them at nine and four in their conference, 15 and seven overall. Uh, they have, they had lost to Whitney young earlier this season. So it's tough to just based on one game, say who is the better team between the two, you know, hopefully we'll get that matchup again at some point to, to really maybe get a better indication of who is, but I'm going to go no way. I think they are where, um, where they should be. And, uh, I, I think if you look at it in comparison versus what Young has done this season, that they probably have the argument for that number one seed. Got to agree. Uh, I mean, what what else would Whitney Young have to do? Um, you know, they're beating up teams in their conference to an undefeated record, plus taking out, you know, teams from the Burbs, you know, Fenwick, Evanston, McCauley. Um, so they're, they're doing what they have to do um, to uh, – to make their case for the number one seed, but also to prepare for the, uh, the postseason. So, you know, they, a couple of their losses, Montini, um, who's, I think, um, winning that Catholic league. Um, and uh, yeah, not, not too many losses on the, on the Whitney young side. Um, only four. So they lost to Trinity to another GCAC team who, who Loyola's lost to as well. So 
it's a, a really good Whitney Young softball program this year, and I think they earned the number one seed. All right, folks, there you have it. Way or no way weekly guessing game. We'll see how those predictions turn out in a week. But we're going to move on over now to the fourth quarter where we uh, rant a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Probably rant a little bit based on the uh, news. But um, the 2020-21 Illinois High School Football Coaches Association All-State teams came out, uh, each one per class. And uh, there's some discussion um, amongst this group of reporters uh, talking to you guys right now about some big snubs um, on the All-State team. Some talks about um, what qualifies a person for a state team, like what the issue is. But um, congrats to uh, Loyola Academy uh, defensive lineman Brandon Spets for making the team. He was the lone uh, Loyola Academy representative um, on the team. Uh, that went undefeated and basically destroyed every single team it faced this season. But um, just what what was you guys' general thoughts when you guys saw the teams and um, just an obvious big size running back uh, uh, hole uh, in the team that I feel like we can all agree upon? <sighs> Marty, you're going to let me go first, huh? Um, <laughs> this is – it's just – it's always kind of been my problem with things like high school rankings and high school, all state and all area teams. And back when we were 22nd century media and we had lists to create, we had enough, we were covering enough area. We saw enough teams. We could make these lists of the best players and make a team of the best players we saw because we saw them all. If you saw Vaughn Pemberton play this year, there's no reason he's not on the, the, the all state team. So I don't understand. The Coach Association, I'd like to know exactly how they did this, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't even find a contact info um, for how to get this. But he's the best player in the state this year. He just was um, by stats, by strength of schedule. I mean, he put up 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns in six games against the top competition in the state in the Catholic League. He was the player of the league in the toughest division on the offensive end. How is he not your first team running back and they had four or five running backs. Some played multiple positions <laughs> on the first team. How are they better than what he did? It just really feels like when you see a list like that from the coaches, they wanted to be nice to every team instead of the best teams in the state, Loyola, Lincoln way East getting multiple players like they deserve. I mean, Brandon Spets, Yes. Vaughn Pemberton. Yes. And he was honorable mention, but what about, uh, their kicker going to Wisconsin, Nick, uh, Nate Benzels. What about uh, their, their linebackers like Brandon Mullen, uh, Braden Mullen, or their cornerback, Marty Auer, uh, who was unbelievable. I, I don't understand, you know, and their offensive linemen opened the holes for these guys. Artist Benjamin. Artist Benjamin. I mean, there's the thing that really irks me is two, two things. So the first thing is, as Joe had mentioned in the all state, um, 8A team, we get two players on there listed only as running backs. There were two other players uh, on the list that were uh, multi-position. So I'm not going to focus in on that, but I'm going to focus in on that we get two strictly in the running back position. So if you want to make the argument, if you want to give me the argument that maybe there's the case, maybe there's, um, you know, some statistics somewhere where you can put one running back ahead of Pemberton, Maybe I'll listen to you. Maybe I'll entertain you for a couple minutes and hear what you have to say. 
But if you're trying to tell me that there's two, that you're going to put two running backs only position, that's their only position ahead of him, that's ridiculous. There's no argument for it. There's no argument for it. Second. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Mark. This is including honorable mention. We get only two Ramblers. Now, Joe said it perfectly. You know, they played the toughest schedule. No one besides week one in St. Rita even made them sweat a little bit. Like the, they were just crushing these teams. These weren't even games, just destroying, you know, good team after good team after good team. And we see other programs, you know, with a loss, with multiple losses that have three, four players on the list. And I think we can all agree that Loyola undisputedly was probably the best team in the state. Maybe there's an argument for a program up in Frankfurt, but (laughs) I'm going to confidently say that I think the Ramblers were the best team in the state. And we only get two players from that team on either the first or honorable mention list. It bugs me. We're not even going to get into Brody Roth yet because I I (laughs) I think there's a place for him on either the first team. And if you want to fight me on that, you cannot fight me on honorable mention because I think he belongs on the honorable mention list in the very least. It feels like there's something that we don't know, right? Like what? Cause it's so mind boggling and backward. Like there's gotta be something like, and I don't know, I don't mean, I'm not picking on anybody, but maybe uh, a loyal coaching staff or something happened where they didn't submit their guys in time, or there's like this process that somebody didn't do right. Or, uh, somebody uh, deleted half the list, which was seven Ramblers. I don't, I don't, I feel like there has to be something because it's so off from these guys who are truly the best players. They got 13 guys going to play college ball, maybe 15. I don't even know now. They keep getting offers and we're going to get two of them on, on the all state. There's more than that, that are that deserving. I, I'd like to see some of these stats just to see how they compare. Uh, but like we mentioned, we still got the, the toughest competition here in the Catholic league, but then you mentioned Ross. So thank you. You know, Nutria probably had a couple people worthy of at least honorable mention, but Brody Roth had 120 tackles as an outside linebacker. You're going to tell me that there's, there's more stats in there. Of course they got some soft competition, but they also got some really nice competition there in the, in the uh, CSL. So man, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I'd like somebody to explain it to me like I'm a child, which maybe I'm acting like, but seriously, I think we did. I think we deserve that. I think Bob Pemberton, man, Twitter was going crazy. And some of it were his teammates. So you can expect one was his brother, but they were killing this team. One was his competitor at Marist who, who ripped the, you know, ripped the competition because they didn't have uh, a lot of Catholic league representation, which is, I mean, come on. It's our, is it even an argument that that's the toughest league in the state? Maybe they were, Maybe I actually don't know. Maybe we should count how many Catholic players are on there because maybe they are, they kind of weigh them differently. Like, Oh, of course they're the best because they get to choose and they're trained and uh, whatever. But uh, it's, then it's not an all state team. Then it's just not your all state best player team. If you're going to do it, anything other than these are the best players. And I say this without uh you know, obviously taking away from the kids who were named all state teams, obviously they've deserved their recognition. And obviously we've all gone through the process of deciding who's like an all, all area team member and that kind of stuff. But does this kind of just kind of prove that these lists are just kind of like whatever, like you can't really take too much out of them. Like 
not to say that they're pointless, but just kind of being like, well, if you're not going to do them the right way or like recognize them, it's like, what's the point of putting a list together? I mean, what do you guys think? It does like make sense to put lists together at the end of the day of like, you're not really going to recognize the best players. No, you absolutely have to do them in my opinion, because there is still credence. There is still a lot that goes into it. And as we had mentioned, you know, these, these are tough. There, there's a lot of players. There's, you know, hundreds of teams throughout the state. It's tough. There's no easy task. We're just, you know, sitting up in our ivory tower now and sort of picking them apart a little bit, you know, after the fact that they're already assembled. So I'm sure there's a lot of tough decisions, a lot that goes into it, but I think our arguments are valid. I think we make great points. You know, we saw uh, a lot of these teams up here, uh, a lot of these player players and uh, teams represented on this list. We had a chance to, both cover them and see them face the teams in our coverage area. So, um, you know, it, it's a tough experience, but it, it's worthwhile. And these, you know, I think it is fair to say that the, the players, the coaches, uh, the programs, they, they do put a lot into these lists and they do find value in them. But I think y- your point, Michael, is if you're not going to do it correctly or you call it an all-state list so it's the best players in the state, if you're not going to stick to those guidelines, don't do the list or call it something else. Call it yeah. one player from every team, one player from every team above 500, whatever you want to do. But don't call it an all-state list and then add all these guidelines to it on the back end that people don't know about. Because guys like, and I don't know if this is true, so sorry, Brody, if I'm throwing your name out there. But guys like Brody Roth who are still looking for a college and now they don't have all-state. And this goes for juniors, probably sophomores more, where they get to put it on their resume, but now they can't. That could be, could be, and there's a chance it, it could attract a college that might be the best fit for them. So when you have that type of influence, you have to take it seriously and you have to do it right. If you just throw in the towel or, and these are the coaches association, so I'm, I'm sure they, they take it at least somewhat seriously, but you can't have favoritism. You can't have, um, you know, these type of back end rules if you're not transparent about them for things that can influence college decisions and the futures of these kids. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's only a couple kids, but that matters if you ask me. Has this been something you guys noticed in the past? I mean, have you, I mean, obviously there was no team last year. Um, other way that maybe there was a team last year, 2019. Um, but obviously do you guys feel like this is a reoccurring thing or like a one year problem where you have, this because I remember like going back in the year being like, I feel like this guy probably could have made the list, and this guy could have made the list where um they didn't. I mean, is this just something where this particular group or like this, I don't even know, like, does every coach get a vote, or like is there just a committee and that kind of stuff where um you just slap all state to it and um everyone just assumes like these are the best players? I mean, do you guys feel like this is a reoccurring thing with this group? There's gonna be gripes, I think, every year. Um based on when it comes out, particularly, I think it's a little bit heated from our end uh, to a little bit of an extra level this year because of how highly we thought of this Loyola team and the level at which they performed. And, you know, maybe this list comes out a little bit different, different if we get uh, state playoffs, if we get a full season, you know, if they, if they run the table undefeated and win the state championship, then maybe it's a little bit different. Um, than, than what it turned out to be in this six-game abbreviated season. So, yeah, there, there's gripes every year. There's concerns every year. There's disagreements every year. Um, but maybe it's a little elevated this year just uh, because it was everything was more condensed and 
how truly great this Loyola team was. Yeah. And I think, you know, every, like I already said, every year there's going to be things we can argue, put this guy on, take the, move this guy down, things like that. Um, and it is worthwhile to remember if you do put somebody on, you have to take somebody off. If there's only 20 spots, you can't just add somebody, you know, somebody's got to move. Um, but it's because I think we're this, you know, enthused by this, you know, because of those numbers he put up, it was so clear what this kid did against the top competition in the state, the best defenses that th ran through brother rice, Carmel Maris, everybody, um, St. Rita, that he was, you know, he's a sometimes player of the year, as Mike Clark said, for a reason, he's the Catholic league player of the year for a reason. Um, so, um, you know, and I, I just don't appreciate when it, it can matter if people mailed it in. I'm not saying they did. I'm just saying there seems to be, there has to be something wrong with the process if there is only two Ramblers and if the first team is in Pemberton with multiple running backs. I, there has to be something wrong with the process. And I wish I knew, which is why that this, this, there's a disclaimer over this whole thing is we don't exactly know the process for fielding the coach association all state team. And I wish I did. And I couldn't figure it out um, in the day leading up to this podcast, but um, it, it, there's something wrong with it if that's the case. And I do think you need to do these lists, but uh, some transparency for how it was selected would be much appreciated. You know what really the crazy thing is now that I'm sitting back and think about thinking about it, Pemberton put up those stats in what, four and a half, four and three quarters of games because he sat out several second halves, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because they were blowouts because of him. And in some games, you know, only had like five or six carries because it was, you know, 30 nothing before you blinked. So <laughs> these were, this wasn't even a full six games worth of stats, and he still by far and away had the best stats in the state. So I don't get it. We should probably move on because we could go about this all day probably. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, this meeting of the Von Pemberton Club is officially over. We're going to uh, finish up the podcast here. Um, thanks, as always, to you guys, uh, to everyone for joining us. In our books, you guys are all, all staters because you're listening to this uh, episode of the podcast. But um, thanks, as always, uh, for listening. And uh, just a quick shout-out before we uh, say goodbye that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Spread the word. Give us a nice little review as well while you're at all these sporting events. Um, we've got a lot of, uh, playoffs happening. Like we talked about already, um, big weeks coming up with the start of post seasons for most of our sports with baseball and softball lagging a little bit, I think, but, um, we got a lot of postseason to talk about. Um, so make sure you guys are uh, keeping it posted with the record for all the latest updates and make sure you guys are listening to all the latest episodes of the varsity podcast as well. So for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.